Well, we're going to dig into something today that I have found over the years to truly be life-changing. Now, God's word always changes lives. God's word always makes a difference. But if I were to go to one passage or maybe one, two, three, or four, this would probably in the top three that brings real life transformation, that really creates change. And we're in a world today that needs it more than ever. And I mean that. Uh, it, it mattered a year ago, but it matters more today. So let's pray and we'll talk about that. Father, I pray right now that you would just open our eyes to who we are and how each of us needs this to one degree or another. Help us see it. Help us do what James said, like look in the mirror and then really be honest and really apply these truths to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. John, I'm in the pit. What are you doing in the pit, bro? I had a rough day, dude. You're John Allen. You're a worship leader. You're supposed to go up there and lift them in worship, bro. But that's the thing. Everyone always wants me to be uplifting and encouraging. But, bro, honestly, I'm in the pit, and it's freezing in here. It is freezing. You're supposed to tell Abunio to turn the heater up, bro. I told Abunio to turn the heater up. John forgot to tell Abunio to turn the heater on. How's your walk with God? How's my walk? I can't even move, John. It's so tight in here, bro. And you're here too. It's a good thing we're both skinny. But I would have suffocated. I, I think we just need faith. We need, we, we need to trust God and, and, and walk in faith to, to get through this trial, to get out of this pit. Okay. So then get out of it. <laughs> Do it. John, you don't understand. It's not your timing. It's God's timing. We got to walk in faith to trust God. John! John, you made it! You see, faith, bro! Okay, now get me out! John, I can't get you out of there. You gotta do it yourself. You know, be joyful. Keep your anger at bay. Who's bay? I told you, I don't have a bay. That's why I'm in here. John is angry because he was hoping through these videos he'll have a girlfriend, but no one has stepped up yet. I'm not angry. Stop being angry, bro. You're right, I am angry. I wish, I wish there was someone out there to tell me how to keep my anger at bay, and not you. Tune in next week to see if John can get Pastor Chuck Booher to pull him out of the pit with his Jeep. <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. When I started into counseling, uh, not just the study of it, but the practice of trying to help people find the kind of change in their life they are hoping to find that God wants for them. Uh, I had a big surprise. Uh, there were two areas that I find are the most difficult to work in and with. Uh, one of them probably isn't a huge shock. The other one was. I was surprised how pervasive it is. I was surprised how destructive it is. How many are suffering because of this. And getting people free from it was far more difficult than I thought. Uh, both of these two are very difficult. Both of these two, though, please listen, are very, very possible. Uh, and I've shared this with you before, and I want to tell you with complete conviction that I know that God's word has the answer to both these issues. 
God's word brings freedom. Jesus even talked about if you know the truth, the truth of God's word, it will set you free. So I've seen that occur. I've seen it happen. But when people are in bondage to one of these two things, it's bad and it's hard. And yet it's possible to see freedom come. Uh, The one that probably would not surprise you is addiction. It's very hard to get people free from the clutches of addiction. So that's the one that probably isn't as surprising. But what I want to tell you is this, is that the second one I have seen hurting people in very, very powerful and awful ways. Wounds that are created, uh, some lifelong that need to have freedom come and healing come. And so maybe that you. By the way, everybody to one degree or another suffers from what I'm about to talk about. But some far more than others. And it's this anger. Anger is so destructive. Anger is far more pervasive than I thought. And by the way, I'm saying this from research, not opinion, that this last year, this last year to year and a half, it has gone to a new level of destructiveness within our society. I'm heartbroken how many Christians are unleashing it. Many used to be embarrassed to let it shine out the way they are. And yet we're watching it occur today. Um, God has an answer. God has a solution. In James chapter 120, we're warned by James that the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And so you and I, we want to find a way not to let any time let anger control us. By the way, anger is actually God-given, but, but it needs to be controlled in the correct way. The emotion of anger, when controlled, can actually create a positive motivation in your life. But you have to make the right choice. You've got to choose. So anger is an emotion and anger is a choice. And you and I need to make the right choice of what to do when anger starts up. And the answer is in the book of James. It's there. Prior to my training in counseling, I would teach these truths. And I remember one time a man walked up to me And he said, Pastor Chuck, I just need to tell you that a few months ago you taught on, and he named this section of scripture, and he said, it changed my life. And I said, well, that's cool. Thank you. And his wife goes, no, you don't understand. She goes, it changed his life. And she got really emotional. She goes, he's a new man, and our family's better. And I'm happier and our kids are happier and he's happier because of this change. I'm going to share with you some of those same truths and more. And I want to have you really lean in like you never have before and be ready to apply this to you. Because what I want you to know that we know today is that anger can create an habitual reaction within your body that ends up taking over. And the more you allow it to happen, the stronger it becomes. So I want to have you think about that. It becomes habitual. And the Bible warns you not to be given to anger. The Bible warns you what can happen when you do. Because what happens is you are actually creating a neural 
pathway that makes it easier and quicker to have you get angry, to become more angry, and to not be in as good a control as you want to be. And so you and I need to know how to shut that down. And, and James tells us how to shut it down. But I want you to think about this. Maybe you're driving in your car and someone cuts you off and anger takes over. Maybe you're in the midst of uh, being with a coworker and they, they look at you and give you that look and anger takes over. Maybe you're at home and your kids do something where the vast majority of time, guess what they're doing? They're acting like kids and anger takes over. And your brain goes into an active state in a bad way and not in the right way. And it begins to affect your whole body. Uh, we have a diagram of this I want you to see. So that's your brain and that's your amygdala. Your amygdala never thinks, but your amygdala now is realizing there's a threat. There's something happening that you don't like. And so it gives word to the hypothalamus to start creating neurochemicals in your body and releasing them out. Catecholamines, and, and, which includes adrenaline and includes cortisol, which are stress neurochemicals. And now you're your whole body begins to be affected. Your digestive system begins to shut down. Uh, your heart begins to be strained. Uh, you find your blood pressure rising. And so what you see on the top is a calm brain. And what you see on the bottom is an angry brain. And here's the thing about the angry brain. It stops thinking. Now, don't miss that. When your brain becomes angry, the prefrontal cortex begins to be inhibited and you stop processing thinking. And so, by the way, that in those moments, you've said things you don't mean. Sometimes people go, no, 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 you mean them. No, I'm telling you, you probably didn't mean some of it. You were being mean, but you didn't mean it. You know what I'm saying? How many of you have said things when you're angry you didn't mean? Raise your hand. Okay, see, all of us. The ones of you who didn't raise your hand have a problem we'll get to later called lying. And, uh, <laughs> but what happens is it has an adverse effect on your liver. It has an adverse effect on your kidneys. It has an adverse effect on your heart. It, it ruins and devastates your immune system. People who are given to anger get sick easier and quicker and more severely. And, and so here's what I want to say to you. Tracy and I were talking about this. Even if you don't care about the other people in your life, just care about yourself a little more. But it never makes a marriage better. It never great makes great friendships. It doesn't help you at work. And what gets me emotional is how many children over the years we've become aware of who are the victims of someone with uncontrolled anger. They're innocent and they're pretty much defenseless. And God, God said, this is a grave sin, a horrible evil. It's one of the seven deadly sins. And that's because it brings death. 7% of people in the United States suffer from intermittent explosive disorder. That's a very... Severe problem that can be helped. 9% more have a problem with just anger management to the point that they need clinical help. But here's what's sad is far more than that 16% are not reporting and not coming forward. 
of the group not coming forward, many are in denial. They say things like, oh, it's not that bad. Or it's because I have, and I've heard them all, an Irish temper, a Mexican temper. Uh, like everybody, guess what? Every racial group has a temper, okay? And it's not okay to have it. It's controllable. We can do something about it. By the way, here's what's scary on the other side. It's contagious. So I bet everybody here knows this, that if you had a father or a mother who were given to anger, you probably learned to do that as a child, and then you took that into your adult life. Everybody knows that, right? It, it's, it's, it's contagious. Proverbs 22, uh, verse 24 says, do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. In other words, you'll find yourself trapped and can't get away from that angry attitude, that wrathful attitude, that rage that develops. By the way, let me say this. Some of you, let me tell you what's going on. Some of you, it doesn't come out, but it's underneath. And people would be shocked to know what's going on underneath there. The thoughts you have. The, the attitude you're carrying. And by the way, repressed anger may be better for other people, but it's definitely not good for you. God wants you free. God wants you healed. God wants you to know you don't have to be that way. Um, uh, when I was in schooling, one of my favorite people to hear from was a man named Christian Conti. He's a psychologist who works with gang members and convicts and ex-convicts all of whom have anger management problems. He's a, a, a very, uh, one of the leading experts on anger. And, and you know what thing he said that I think is so worth hearing? Christian Connie, and by the way, I just think this is cool. He doesn't look like a psychologist. You might say, what's a psychologist look like? Well, this guy, bald head, tattooed completely, huge ripping muscles. I don't know why I don't think psychologists look like that. But he's... He's sharp. And he said that what he's found amongst people who have an anger management issue is he says you live in a cartoon world. Now, what does he mean by that? Because I think this is so intriguing. See, in your cartoon world, which is not in reality, the whole world revolves around you. And so people who are given to anger tend to think the whole world revolves around them. So when someone looks at you and gives you that look, it's because they're looking at you. It could be they have indigestion, but you think it's about you. You think when someone ignored you, it's because they're mad at you. It's probably because they weren't thinking about you. By the way, let me just tell you, almost nobody is really thinking about you because everybody's too busy thinking about themselves. And too often a person given to anger wants their family to be always focused on them. They want their coworkers always focused on them. They want uh, their, their kids focused on them. When you're driving down the road, you believe everybody on the road is watching you and cares about you. And some of them cut you off on purpose. They probably got up that morning looking for you. <laughs> See, in the cartoon world, we begin to believe that. 
And it's the opposite of the attitude that Jesus wants us to have, where you and I are selfless and servants and, and caring and loving, and, and we're focused not on ourselves, but we're focused on God and we're focused on others. By the way, if you're focused on God and focused on others, you almost for sure will not be given to anger. You know why? Because you're going to care too much. You're going to love too deeply. And so you and I need to understand that the anger of man never, ever, ever achieves the righteousness of God. But when you and I are in the pit, uh, it's probably more likely that anger is going to surface and anger is going to come out. So what are we to do? Well, in James chapter 1, verse 19, look at the first three words of that verse. This you know. So I'm about to say something that God says you know. Everybody here knows. Everybody deep inside knows this. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Uh, by the way, I'm going to hopefully get time to get to verse 21. But if I don't, let me tell you something I think worth knowing is every single expert in anger management I've looked at, 100% of them, uh, and I've had a team of us looking with me at this, we've all found that everybody says one of the most effective ways to, uh, to deal with anger, to overcome anger, to not let it control you is meditation. Verse 21 is actually calling you to biblical meditation, which is the most effective form of meditation because it's based on God's word. But isn't it interesting that all the psychology, all the research says what we're looking at right here works. It actually works. Now, we're not surprised because we know God's word is true. But, but here's the thing you and I can be true about is if we would practice this, our lives would be better. If we would practice this, your body would be better. If you would practice this and I would practice this, our marriage, our friendships, our, our, our professional life would be better. And it's not overstating it because the bottom line is, is we know it gives you the strength God wants you to have and the freedom God wants to have actualized in your life. So what does he say? This you know, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to hear. Now, I want to have you think about that. We start with listening. We start with stepping back. We need to be, and this is something that's helped me. Let's see if it helps you. We need to be curious and not furious. When I start to get mad, I actually stop and go, whoa, and I'm going to tell you to do three things. If you're going to be quick to hear, you must, number one, pause, pray, then ponder before you say a word. I, I was sharing this with one guy one time, and I, he won't mind me sharing this with you. I said, dude, you got to stop. you got to pause. you got to pray. you got to ponder before you speak. And he says, well, then by the time I get ready to speak, no one's going to be listening. <laughs> and I said, that's the idea. Pause, pray, ponder. Be curious, not furious. Actually start asking, why did this occur? What happened there? When that car cuts you off and you're like, oh, by the way, am I the only one? <laughs> I, I think I've told this before, but one time I was driving and a car did get in front of me and go real, real slow. 
And I'm just about to hit the horn. And Pan goes, don't do it. Don't do it. And she goes, you have a mean horn. And I said, everyone has a mean horn. And then they pulled around and they're waving, Pastor Chuck, we thought that was you. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, one way. Jesus rules. <laughs> but you know what? The bottom line is when all that begins to happen, you might want to say, well, what's really going on here? The person in front of me that just cut me off, are they, did they just get news that a family member's sick and dying? Did um, they get a moment where all of a sudden a text came in they shouldn't have looked at, but they had to? I do know of a man who got word he was driving in the car and he got a text and he looked and he knows he shouldn't have picked it up, but he thought, "Uh uh-oh, and he looked and he got word that his daughter was in a horrible accident in the hospital and now he's weaving as he's looking at the text and people are honking and mad and screaming at him as this whole world is falling apart. If anyone knew what was really going on, they probably wouldn't have done that, don't you think? So if we stop and say, let me get curious about this, why... Is this person driving the way they are? Why is this person acting the way they are? Why did that person come up and and say what they said? Why are they so animated? Why are they so upset? Why are they so passionate? And I don't want their anger to be contagious to me, but I'd like to know where it's coming from. And if you just step back and say, I want to be quick to hear, you're going to be able to calm your brain and, and calm your body and pause and pray and ponder. Um, whenever I'm with someone who has uh, um, anger management issues, I always try to teach them to have what we call centered prayer, where you pause and pray and you become aware of the presence of God in the moment and you begin to experience God in the moment. And we know, by the way, this is really true. We know that if you do that, it only takes about three minutes to kick in, your brain calms. And instead of releasing uh, the, the, the stress chemicals like cortisol and adrenaline, you know, getting that adrenaline rush, your brain actually releases dopamine and oxytocin and vasopressin. So dopamine is pleasure. So in the midst of an intense situation, if you would do uh, what we're saying, pause and pray, your brain will release pleasurable chemicals and you'll find yourself experiencing pleasure in that moment. And then oxytocin, this is why I'll get ready for this, makes you care about somebody. So when you look at someone and care about them and you have this eyes of love, your brain releases a chemical that says, Yes, care about that person. And so rather than getting upset, rather than letting everything take over, the Bible's teaching something the science tells us is true. By the way, let me say this real quickly. Christians, we do not need to be afraid of science. Science is just a study of the creation of God, and we love God's creation. And so we can hold on to that and know the truth of that. And so what do we do? We pause we pray, we ponder, and we ask God to move in that moment. Uh, You need to really listen. Uh, Number one, you're trying to listen to God. Uh, This might surprise you. You know what else you should do? You should listen to yourself. Um, I'm going to offer you a tool that I think could be very helpful. It's on our crossroadschurch.family site, and you can go down to how to manage your anger. 
And what this tool does is it asks you to listen to yourself and ask, where does the anger come from? There's different kinds of anger. Uh, the anger might be what we call survival rage. And, and so if you know that, what you know in that moment is you feel like something's threatening your survival. Maybe you're at work and someone showed you disrespect or someone let you down and you feel like that could cost me my job. That's not fair. And that's where that survival rage starts coming. Uh, maybe you get ready for this. Maybe you think someone's threatening your children. By the way, all parents here, do you get mad quick on that one? Does everybody get, I, now, okay. You know why you're feeling survival rage in that moment? This could cost my children something. It could be a teacher that's treating your child unfairly and you think it's going to ruin their education or, or destroy their self-image. Uh, it could be the fact you find out they got bullied. And now you're thinking, I've got to destroy the bully somehow. Uh, by the way, you may not physically do that, but in your mind, you're all ready to. One time I was pulling up to pick up my oldest son from junior high and he, I, I, I saw these kids go to surround what I thought was him. And they're, they're, they're getting ready to pick on him. So I'm coming out of the car. I'm going to go beat up those kids and go to jail. Any other parent here? But here's what's cool, and I think even better. I took two steps, stopped, and realized it wasn't my son. Then this lady comes flying by me because it was her son, and she starts hitting these kids and driving them off. It's called survival rage. <laughs> so what do you do? Well, you go to Scripture. You trust in God. And so on that sheet, I gave you scripture you can memorize and meditate on if that's where your anger is coming from. Another kind of rage is called abandonment rage. Uh, by the way, anybody who's prone to jealousy, that's the kind of anger that's underneath that, uh, that's there. And so what happens is you feel like you're, someone's going to abandon you. Someone's going to leave you. You're going to be alone. You're going to be lonely. Or abandonment rage could be this. They like somebody better than me. And, and it gets you angry inside and, and can begin to take over. And, and so you fear, you fear in that moment. And it's born out of a place of insecurity. And so what do you do is you have to find your security in Jesus Christ. But you start to listen to yourself. Is this survival rage? Is this abandonment rage? Uh, another kind of rage is called impotent rage. That's where you feel like you're losing control. When they tell you you cannot go in that store if you don't wear a mask and you get mad, that's called impotent rage. Don't be impotent, okay? Whenever anybody tries to control you, whenever anybody tries to tell you what to do. By the way, let me say this. If somebody tries to tell you what to do, almost for sure your first reaction is anger. Would everybody agree with that? And you know what? You need to start going, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. I do not want to do the very thing I'm about to do. See, here's, I don't know if it's going to make sense. Try to lean in. Tell me if it makes sense. When I have anger because I feel like I'm being controlled by somebody else and I give into the anger, then the person is controlling me. Does that make sense to anybody? But when you stay calm, you're in control and they don't have control. And, and so the very, the very thing you don't want to occur that's getting you mad could happen if you don't take control of it. And so what you need to do is you need to, again, go to the scriptures. And, and on that sheet, I gave you scripture to go to. Another kind of rage is this one, shame-based rage. 
people sometimes are so ashamed of who they are. They're so filled with the way they've been shamed that what they want to do is they want to lash out and hurt others whenever that moment comes, that that feeling is, is touched. It's almost like a, it is a wound, when, and, and it just gets you mad when, when that happens. All of us, when we get hurt that way, want to come back, and God says, stop and be quick to hear. Know where that feeling's coming from. And so you want to remind yourself you're a new creation in Jesus Christ, and that shame has no place in your life, and that shame should have no power in your life. And, and this is something I, I think is worth, really, really worth saying, that too often people are allowing what someone else did to them, creating shame, to have too much control in your life. And the answer is to come to Jesus and realize what someone else did, and it's not okay they did it, but what someone else did to you doesn't define who you are today if you're a born-again Christian. So that's what you need to grab hold of. And then for some, there's just a seething rage. Now, what's seething rage? That's one that builds on itself. You get mad, and then you think about it, and you get madder. And then you get madder and then you get madder and, and you start learning how to fuel the fire of anger as it wells up within you. Yeah, not maybe on purpose, but, but it just starts to happen. By the way, it is true that there are some people whose brains are just more prone to get angry quicker. But again, because it's something called neuroplasticity that can change. So what do we do? Well, James says in James 1, 19 to 21, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. So James says, I want you to be quick to hear. And I want you to focus your mind on the right things, on the word of God. And I want you to be very, very slow to speak. Uh, Proverbs 10 verse 19 says, When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. By the way, I, I don't know if you thought about that, but it's just something that, that God wants you and I to do and, and to think about. We need to say, you know what? When the more words I use, the more likelihood not something good will come, especially when my emotions are becoming intense. Uh, Proverbs 18, 13 says this, he who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. That's why you want to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Uh, you want to really take the time to pause and pray and ponder before you say a word. And God's great desires that you and I would do that and that we would decide we're not going to become angry. We're not going to let it take over. Why? Because that's where strength comes from. Proverbs 16, 32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules the spirit than he who captures the city. When you can stay in control, when you cannot be rattled, that's when God's power begins to move in you in an incredible way. So what do we do? We, we need to have an ability to listen to God, to listen to ourselves, and to listen to the person or the people we're in, or seek to know more information about the situation. In James 1.21, again, it says, therefore, instead of being 
angry, therefore put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, and in humility receive the word that is able to save your souls. By the way, I think that's an interesting term and one that you don't want to miss. The word of God will save your soul and anger will destroy your soul. And God says there's a better way. There's a, 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 a more loving way, a caring way that God wants you to experience. So what do you do? You memorize scripture. You quote scripture. You meditate on scripture. You center your mind in prayer on God and you allow your brain to start to calm. And you end up being one who understands this amazing fruit of the spirit called self-control. And when we do that, great things occur. I love Psalm 119.11. It says, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so when I can do that, when you can do that, you're going to end up being closer to God. You're going to end up not being controlled by something that can hurt or harm you. You're going to end up being a better person in every relationship in your life because the anger of man never accomplishes the righteousness of God. Right now, I'm hoping that for all of us, these words are meaningful. But I'm really hoping for some of you, they're especially meaningful. You need to be set free from wrath. You need to be set free from that bad temper. You need to be set free from those negative thoughts that have taken over too long. And so what I want to ask you to do today, if that's you, is I'm going to ask you, would you be willing to pray with me right now and call out to God and commit your life to him? Would you be willing to say, God, I no longer want to be controlled by things that are not good for me and not good for others. I need to be set free. I need for change to occur. And I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me, both here and online. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I pray right now for anybody who needs to open their heart to you. And they need peace. They need confidence in you. They need the fruit of self-control. They need it. Some have allowed that anger to come out in ways that have been so hurtful and harmful, and they, they need to be set free from that, Lord, and I pray it's going to happen. I pray today is going to be a day of change as they humble themselves before you and call out to you. God, there are some people who are here today that that anger is underneath the surface. It's just there, and it doesn't produce your righteousness. And they found themselves having hateful feelings, mean-spirited attitudes, and it's harming them and physical ways, but even more in spiritual ways to the depth of their soul. So I pray, Lord, today that they also are going to call out to you and be honest with you about it. So I pray right now for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be with anybody who needs to see real change occur. They need to, to have love take over. They need to have joy be their strength. They need you. 
And Jesus, they need your forgiveness and they need you to make them a new creation. Right now, I'm going to lead a prayer for anybody who wants to commit their life to Christ. So no matter where you are right now, he loves you, he cares about you, and he wants to bring peace, love, joy. He wants to bring newness, and he wants you to be able to be strong so you never give in to the lower nature. Right now, if you need him, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know I need to change. And I need you to help me change. I pray you'll forgive me for all the sin in my life. I pray you'll free me from that which is hurting me and maybe hurting others. I pray you're going to make me new. I pray you're going to make me alive. And I pray, God, I'm going to be, I'm going to be yours. And I want to be yours completely. So this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen if you pray that prayer. I want you to go to go to crossroadschurch.family and click on I said yes to Jesus. So right now, all of you who are online, we really want to connect with you too. So go to crossroadschurch.family and click on that. Before we head out today, let me tell you what God allowed us to do together that I'm so excited about. Uh, our team had prayed and prayed and prayed about wanting to help people. And so one, we found a family in Texas and we were all excited to help them because of what's going on in Texas. And then we got a hold of them. They go, nope, a bunch of other people already jumped in, we're taken care of. So we're like, praise God for that. So then they began to pray and pray more because this is what God does, God directs us. And they discovered a mom who's a single mom with five children and she said this, she goes, I've never been late on any payment I've ever made. Not rent, nothing. I've never been late. And she lost her job. She's in the hospitality industry. And she thought, I'm not going to be able to pay rent on time. I'm not going to be able to do other things my family needs. And so she began to say, God, I've never been late before. She applied for unemployment, but you guys know there's a backlog, right? And uh, she just didn't know what to do. And she hit another moment where she said those words, God, I'm not sure what to do. And she got the phone call within a few minutes that Crossroads was gonna take care of her and we're gonna pay her rent and we're gonna make sure they have what they need. And she's not gonna be late. Another mom with three children had to go into the hospital because of an infection. While she was in the hospital, she found out her kids would be going back to school, but they didn't have the clothes they need. They didn't have the, the uh, supplies they need. They didn't have uh, and some other necessities they needed. And she didn't know what to do and she didn't see any way to make it happen. And she got a phone call saying Crossroads is gonna take care of you and your kids. And yesterday those kids got everything they needed because of you. Then there's a family that is a part of our church family, but they moved to Arizona. The father's been commuting back and forth to California where his job is, but they moved hoping to get uh, a better living situation and cheaper rent. But as soon as they got to Arizona, everything began to happen against them. 
one of their kids got hurt severely and they had to be taken in an ambulance that insurance didn't cover. Uh, they found out that their dog that they loved would have to be put down and they did. Uh, then one of the grandparents they loved, loved, loved died of COVID. And they just thought, we're not getting a break. We're not getting a break. We're not getting a break. And so what happened is we heard about what was going on. So we let them know that Crossroads is their family. We paid the entire ambulance bill, so that's not hanging over them anymore. Uh, we also took care of rent, and we're taking care of some other things for them too, and all because we do this together. And then we found out about a couple whose uh, the wife is, is very severely ill. Pain is taking over. They're not sure what's gonna happen. And uh, we thought, you know, Lord, maybe we ought to somehow, you know, send them away somewhere uh, and just give them a break. And then what we found out is she's not physically able to go. So our, our team got creative and we have created uh, things that can happen in the house that she'll be able to do that will give her joy and give them a memory and give them a chance to, you know, really have these last uh, uh, time uh, be meaningful for them, which I don't know if you think that's cool. I think that's cool. We got to do that for them. So boldly blessed is working, and I hope that you will and I will choose to be a blessing to other people. As you leave today, may you go with God's love in you. May you go with anger not coming up and controlling you. May you go in being someone who has a calmness and a strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. God bless you, and have a great day.